Well, welcome to Preacher Lab. It is the week of Sunday, November 14th, 2021. And I have my friend Allie Wilcox here. Allie, welcome to Preacher Lab. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Will. This is awesome. So we're going to jump right into it. Um, what are you okay. preaching on this week? Where are you headed? Where are you going? So this weekend, we are preaching on Mark chapter 10, verses 46 through 52, uh, which is the story of blind Bartimaeus um, and Jesus's healing of him. And the we are headed towards... Um, our church has decided through a visioning process to that we want to support and end stigma around folks with mental illnesses. And so we're talking about mental health awareness alongside uh, the scripture. So that's kind of the theme that exists. And then inside of that, the blind Bartimaeus. So, yeah. What, what made you kind of go in that direction? So what's interesting about the work that I do is I'm our associate pastor. And so I was actually not the person that decided um, <laughs> the direction we're going. Every week at Century, we have two services that run at the same time. So there's always two preachers on the docket. That's great for me because I get to preach every week pretty much um, alongside my senior pastor. And so she was the one that picked out this text. Um, it is, like I said, a part of our 4D vision plan that we would continue to address mental health and the stigma around mental health um, because there's such a lack of resources and conversation in our county about that. Um, so that was something that came up from listening to the community. And so every year we try to commit to having a Sunday in worship where we talk about mental health awareness and where we sort of explore a subject. So that related to the scripture, I think that, and I love the way that Pastor Annette has kind of woven this together. Um, sometimes you feel really connected to someone else's idea and other times you have to find that connection yourself when you're in a role like mine. And so um, this time I felt really connected because in the story, if you haven't read it, um, Bartimaeus is off to the side and they're on their way to Jerusalem. This is right before Jesus's passion. And um, he's crying out, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd shushes him. Like they say, like, stop talking. Um, but Jesus says, no, bring him to me. Cause I want to see him. And so we said, you know, the witness of the church and the witness of the world often silences folks with mental health issues. And so Jesus mm -hmm. is the one that invites them closer. And so as a church, we are committed to living in the way of Jesus and inviting those who are crying out in our culture to be seen, um, into the conversation. And so, yeah, we're, I'm really excited. It's been interesting doing some work on it already this morning. Um, thinking about how we can connect to like the cries from like people like Naomi Osaka and Simone Biles yeah. this season. And, um, just the way that it's kind of like coming to a head in our culture. Um, so yeah. Oh yeah. yeah that fits so well. So what is, when you all think about these sermons, how does that, what's that process go? Because it sounds like there are some sermons that you really connect with. Um, mm -hmm. Some sermons that you're like, I don't know. Is it, is it a mm -hmm. partnership? What does that process look like? Yeah. So it definitely is a partnership. So the, we plan worship months in advance. So um, either Annette or I have sometimes come with ideas for sermon series. We preach in series and, um, so lots of times Annette in her function as senior pastor, kind of keeping the whole picture in her vision. 
um, will come with an idea and a scripture. And then once we get to that week, um, we like, I start on Monday morning, I call starting opening the new word document and like saving it with a title. And, um, I do my own research and thinking and praying. And sometimes immediately I think, oh, here's this story from my own life or something that I've read or something that I'm connecting to within the life of the congregation. And so I kind of do some work on that. Then Monday afternoons, our whole worship team meets as for our creative team meeting. So that's me, Annette, Mike, our worship uh, pastor, our children's director, our outreach person, because all of the, and our youth pastor, because all of those items go together in worship. Um, We also have someone who represents kind of the worship volunteer role. And so then we talk about it there. So Michael, Seda, Annette, and I, hey, what's your 30,000 foot view of what's going on this week? Um, Annette will share her thoughts. I will share my thoughts. And then we'll say, oh, I really like that. I hadn't thought about it that way. Or, oh, we are on two totally different pages after just looking at this scripture. So which direction do we want to go? And a lot of my, it'll be interesting if I go to a church without a, like in the future of my itinerancy, without a staff like that, because so much of my creative process happens in those team meetings and in those conversations because it'll trigger an idea um, or help me see it in a new way. Um, And so it is very team oriented. And then Annette and I will touch base a couple of times throughout the week. I know some churches where they have lots of services and people preaching, um, they write from the same outline, which we do not do that. But we do try to make sure that the church on either side of the building, because it's contemporary and traditional, is not hearing two totally separate messages. Like we don't want to arrive at two different conclusions on any given Sunday, um, especially because we're often preaching in like sequential series. So we're trying to get to the next thing that we're working towards. Um, So I don't know if that, it is, it feels very logistical, but in the space of all of that conversation and research and planning and thinking, the Holy Spirit really does like work in me and it's really stretched me as a preacher um, to kind of like connect in ways that I probably wouldn't have otherwise. So, yeah. Do you and Annette kind of get together and do like the 30,000 foot view of those six month sermons, like series planning is, do you think of ideas and Annette think of ideas and you come together? Um, what is that? What's that like? Cause it sounds like it's, it's, you, you take a lot of time beforehand just thinking about what does the congregation need? And even this, mm-hmm. when you talk about the 4D visioning process, you probably thought about that six months ago. So yes. what is, what is the, the long-term planning look like? Yeah, we, um, yes, it is very driven by what we think the congregation needs to hear or what we're sensing, like the Holy Spirit um, telling us, for instance, speaking of something, so Six months in August, we did a series on basically prayers, presence, gifts, service, witness, like our giving to the church. Um, And the next sermon series, because we thought, oh, we're going to ramp back up into involvement in the church um, with this call to action, basically, for the fall. And then in September, we're going to talk about the new normal. So the pandemic was going to be over. We were going (laughs) to talk about how... um, here are some things, some spiritual disciplines that we can continue to like, what did you gain from COVID that you can now add back into the new normal of your life? Well, you know, I know like the Delta variant 
like made that impossible. And so the closer we got to this new normal, which was a great idea, that's what we needed to hear when we thought COVID was going to be done. Um, the more we realized this is really going to hit the wrong note. And so we pivoted and did a series, Annette and I got together and we started talking about, okay. And, and in this team, right. We started talking Mm -hmm. about what are people feeling? It feels like this is just another, the the Delta variant was very bad in our area. Our hospitals were full and we really have a more rural hospital system. So it was very painful. And, um, we realized that Jesus like offers all these peaceful words to us in the midst. So it was called peace in the storm. So then we like pivoted to the, these gospel lessons. Um, but we meet as a group, like every quarter, I would say to look six months in advance and to just throw spaghetti at the wall creatively and think, okay, so if we're in Advent or if we're heading into Lent or if we're in ordinary time in the summer, often in the summer, we do like off the wall, Old Testament stuff that you don't normally get to talk about in the regular seasons of the church. Um, and then as it gets closer, those ideas kind of fine tune as you're living in the moment that you're actually in. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah. So, so you make these tentative plans. It's, I mean, with COVID, mm-hmm. I think you just, you think you're like, you make all <laughs> yeah. the plans you want, but um, mm-hmm. you might have to throw them out the window and say, right. okay, we're starting again. And, and this week is going to have to be different. Our next month has to be different. Mm-hmm. So it yeah. seems like you guys, you and Annette are able to pivot pretty quickly along with mm-hmm. your team. And yeah. if you meet once a quarter, you could say, mm-hmm. okay, this is what we think we're going to do. But when you right. meet that week, or I mean, if you meet that week and you're like, hey, in three weeks, that doesn't make any sense because of COVID. Yes. Yeah. And we've done that too with, we'll like throw, um, especially because I'm still learning how to plan worship and my, I know scripture, but I don't, I can't like recall scripture as well as Annette can after 30 plus years of ministry. Um, so we'll get to a week and we'll say, this scripture is really not connecting with me or with what I think we're trying to say here. What about this? And so, yes, like we do very big picture and the closer we get, the narrower it gets um, until we're holding what the topic and the scripture and, and then that's when you personalize it. So, but at that point is when I would say like my own personal experience and my own interaction with some of these topics, like I will definitely talk about my own mental health on Sunday which is not anything that like Annette can't tell me to do that because (laughs) that's not her story. Right. So, um, but it's so I'm like grateful that we do that where there are moments where we have to diverge because we have to be faithful to the message in us, um, and kind of come back together that way. Yeah. So how do you, when I'm thinking about this, I think Annette's going to have a servant, a servant that's going to be a little different than your servant mm-hmm. because you have your own stories, your own experience, whatever right. mental health stuff you've gone yeah. through. And Annette will have the same thing. So right. how, how do you, how do you maintain a sense of unity with both services at the same time, but also being authentic to you and your voice? Um, knowing a thesis statement. And so it wouldn't be helpful for me to say, here's what I think about mental health. And also when I had a mental health struggle, I didn't ask for help and I told no one. And I was like, and I think my faith has nothing to do with it. Right. So being willing to say, no, like what we're coming away from this, what the congregation needs to hear is that like Jesus meets us in our mental health crisis and calls to us. And our faith can be this place where we can be honest with God about 
where we are and ask for help and we can take medication if we, you know, that's just this week. But, um, so I think it is just being clear in terms of vision and purpose. And then once you're in the same lane, like that's what I've said before, I don't feel like I'm given like a A, B, C, D. I feel like we work together on like narrowing the lane. And then once we're both in the lane, um, and we're headed in the same direction and we're like, kind of know where we're going to end up. Um, there's so much freedom at, beyond that. Um, and so that's where the personalization comes out. And there are things that sometimes Annette will come in and say, I thought about this experience in my own life, or I thought about this story or this book. And I'll say, Oh my gosh, I was thinking about this book and then we'll swap ideas. And so sometimes they do feel very similar, not because we come at it from the same place, but we end up enjoying so much what the other person is thinking about that we kind of, um, it like shapes together in a similar way. So, yeah. So I have the image in my head of when you go on like Apple maps and you start at one point and then you have a, an end point in mind, but it gives mm-hmm. you like alternate routes. Yes. It's yeah. almost like you're going, you might have one route and Annette might have another route, but you're starting and you're finishing in the same spot, but you're right. going to see different trees and different highways mm-hmm. and Annette might go in the country roads. Um, yeah. yeah, but you still have a beginning point and an end point. That's the same. Right. Exactly. And I think, and that part of working, I think on this team and this place has been, um, yeah, trusting, especially in my role. And you know, this from your, like, you have to put a lot of trust in the vision of the person that's leading you as an associate. And I do feel very strongly, like very similarly about our vision, um, that Annette does. And so, um, it would be hard for me, I think, if I worked for someone that I didn't respect as much or that we didn't share so much congruence in the way that we um, think and the way that I underst- we understand our vision because um, this process does require a lot of trust. Like I have to trust that A, like you're telling me some of the like right points that I have to hit or like she has to trust that I'm going to, even if I go a different way, that we're going to end up where we both need to end up for the good of the whole church. Um, and there are some sermon series like stewardship. Um, and even in the like Lent and Advent, where as a new pastor, I've relied a lot more on her perspective. So our, our routes are very similar because I just need help. Like yeah. Okay. You do have to talk about tithing. <laughs> yes. Like you do have to talk about giving, you know, um, whereas other series like this Sunday, the beginning and the end point is enough. Cause I know I have what it, like I have enough to get to where we're going. So, yeah. um, yeah. So that's been, uh, interesting. I don't know if you have a similar experience as an associate, um, like working within somebody else's kind of worship stuff. Yeah. I think it, so we we have three pastors, um, mm-hmm. and what we'll normally do is just get together, probably mm-hmm. I'd say every quarter, every six months. And we're we've had transition with a new senior mm-hmm. pastors as this changed, but we would just get get together and we'd bring our all of our ideas that we have, mm-hmm. and we'd kind of say, okay, what if we went with this idea for these four weeks and this sermon series for Advent, and then sometimes we would have a similar Advent series. So we just did, we're working on Advent and we have an idea about how do we talk about longing for peace, hope, love, and joy. And what are the opposites of those things that we sometimes experience? And those were two different ideas from two of us that we kind of morphed together Mm -hmm. into one. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely a a team exercise. Um, And it is, it takes a lot of trust. It takes a lot of 
um, ability to say, yeah, this, this, you know, that's not, that might not be the exact thing I was thinking, but I can run with that particular mm-hmm. thing. So I'm preaching mm-hmm. on longing for love. And sometimes mm-hmm. we think about the opposite of longing is hate, but right. it really isn't the opposite that we oftentimes experience is indifference. Mm-hmm. So how do we, I mean, and that was just a really interesting concept. I, I hadn't thought about, but I've been working on the last month and a half, just yeah. then it sit in my head and my heart yeah. of where am I indifferent? And, and that only came out of our, the three of our conversations. So I, I agree hundred mm-hmm. percent. It's, it's a, it's a combination of mm-hmm. ideas and it's, di- which would be different than if, if, you know, if somebody here is listening is in a rural church or as a single pastor, right. um, you know, you're coming up with the ideas but as a team, you have two different teams. It's you and Annette, but it's also yeah. you and your worship team that meet on right. Tuesday and talk about it. Right. And often one of the things that I'm very aware of is that Annette and I are both women. And so sometimes in that worship team, um, I don't know if men think about it this way too, but I'm aware. I'm like, okay, with this, my like my, I resonate so deeply with the sense of like belovedness and not enoughness, but I know that for a lot of very masculine men, like that's not what connects with them as we talk about like what Jesus offers us in our identity. And so I'll say, okay, I'm going to tell this story. Does this make sense? Like, is this too, too far into my own lens that it does like that I've lost people over here? Or am I coming from such a millennial perspective that I'm going to lose folks on the other end of the age spectrum? So I think having those people and I like, I think it is helpful. And I think I probably would seek out other people in my context, no matter where I was, even if I was deciding to say, okay, what are you doing? What do you think about this? Cause that helps me not helps me not step in it or not preach an idea that just like, doesn't connect. Like it only connects with me because I'm 27 and a woman and a millennial and you know, all of those things. Yeah. I've, I've found I found that when I go deeper into my story, um, Mm -hmm. the more and more I go into my story, my experiences and really dive heavy into it, it oftentimes connects with people beyond just me, Mm -hmm. beyond my maleness, Mm -hmm. beyond my age, beyond my Mm -hmm. sexuality. Mm -hmm. Um, That when I, like this week, we talked about all saints and I shared three really deep stories of my great grandparents, my grandparents and three different church members. Um, and as I shared them, I mean, I got emotional because they're people that I love and they're particular to my own story. But I, I think if we do the hard work of going into our own story, that particular mm-hmm. becomes a universal for people of right. love and grief and remembering the cloud of witnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, that I, I found that, I don't know about you, but I found that it's a balancing act of how far, I mean, I want to go into my own story, which is a mm-hmm. very unique particular but oftentimes connects to the universal. But if I go, if I, if I only share about me, it becomes just my soapbox. So yeah. balancing mm-hmm. the, like the, the story and the narrative and also mm-hmm. connecting with others. Yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent agree. And for me early on, this is one of the things that even our staff parish team has in my evaluation highlighted last time early on, I was so nervous to share myself Um, I think it was like a lack of connection, like early on in the ministry and also not wanting to seem so boxy, but you're right. The vulnerability connects no matter what it's about. And so, um, finding a way to let that speak instead of like often my pop culture 
references like don't carry on either side of the coin. Like some people might understand it. Some people might not. Um, but Pete yourself always carries. And so, um, and that has been so powerful. And I think that's the unique thing. Having two preachers a Sunday, we have lots of folks who will go back and listen to the other one on like later on in the week, super faithful people. I do appreciate that they do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they do it because we share, it is the act of preaching is sharing yourself. And so it's always, it's never going to be the same, no matter how much we share of an outline, it's always going to come from like, at least for me, it always feels like it comes from such a highly personal place. Um, this is me, this is my life. This is the way I sense God working in me and in us. And so that can't be what Annette does because Annette's not me and I'm not her and, or whoever else is, you know, that we also, we have other preachers that come into the rotation. Sometimes it's primarily Annette and I, but other people too. And they always have their own perspective too. And so, um, that's where a lot of value is gained, I think, in preaching. Yeah. I heard somebody say once that when, as a preacher, you are the medium. Um, and that, that really like, yeah, we are, you know, the colored, the colored pencil or the paintbrush because it comes out of us, our voice, mm-hmm. our, our larynx, our, our being, mm-hmm. our soul, our story. We are the medium. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when I, so for you, um, as you, as we talk about our medium as us, what is your niche? What do you think as you preach? What is your, your thing? <laughs> yeah. I've actually been thinking a lot about this because in over the course of COVID, somehow I hit, and again, this was something we talked about with my staff parish committee. I felt like I hit a stride, like I found my voice. And so I've been asking myself, well, what is that voice? Like I could name it about other people, but I have a hard time naming it about me. Um, I definitely think I'm always interested in how this, how the passage feels. So how the characters feel. So blind Bartimaeus, like constant, how does it feel to be ignored, right? Like, how does it feel to be cast off, to be shushed, to be crying out and feel like no one's hearing you? Um, and the, the uber religious who are like following Jesus into Jerusalem, it's, it's the beginning of this triumphal entry. So how much do I, how does it feel to be so religious that you're trying to promote Jesus and all, and you like, don't want to listen to some, you know, um, that with, and then thinking about kind of, again, talking about ourselves, like, okay, so where in my own life has that happened? And where in the lives of my people. So like, like we live in a particular context. So where does do, where do we see this show up? Like the people that are crying out that we're not listening to the sermon this week kind of writes itself in that way. Cause it's about mental health. But, um, and I think the narrative, this is a residual, I think of my Duke seminary days, but this more of like a narrative, um, sort of emotional and artistic, like not, I wouldn't even call it artistic, I guess, but um, really wanting to like submerge into the moment of the story. I struggle to put, preach on the epistles for this reason, because there's <laughs> nothing to submerge into. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm like, how do I, um, you can talk about context with it, but um, that's a weaker point. So what about you? What do you feel like 
your, does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're okay. I, I hear you as an emotional kind of mm-hmm. feeling the story, feeling the yeah. text, feeling your story connected mm-hmm. to it uh, mm-hmm. on some level. And then, and then connecting with the, it sounds like you're an, you're an empath. Like that is your yes. gift. Yeah. And, and yeah. you can feel somebody else's feelings. Mm-hmm. And, you, and I'm imagining that while you're preaching it, you can tell if, if somebody's connecting or if somebody's mm-hmm. not. Um, yes. Because you because you're so feeling driven, which is the yes. gift. Yeah. We that was the hardest part about COVID is because you're like preaching into a void. And so all you have no like idea if it's connecting. You and even now, I mean, we have half of our congregation back-ish. Um, and you're still like all those online folks. I love them and I want to connect with them and I know they're out there, but I have no idea how they're reacting. And, um, so yes, I do feel like I don't, I'm not very extemporaneous in that way, but I can like take myself out enough to say, okay, this isn't connecting and we have to pivot. So yeah. Yeah. Um, what about you? How do you feel like that connects? I think for me, um, my biggest gift is my body. Uh, I'm mm-hmm. a bodily preacher. Mm-hmm. So there are some sermons that I'll lay on the ground. There are some sermons that I'll do particular <laughs> motions. There are particular sermons mm-hmm. that I preach on All Saints Sunday. And I moved around the congregation as I preach because we hung up mm-hmm. pictures of people. Mm-hmm. And I hung up pictures of my family and those people I talked about in different areas of the room. So I was walking oh, around people yeah. while I was talking about people. And the whole flow of the service was about the cloud of witnesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and people were, there were pictures of people all around the room um, mm-hmm. on clotheslines. And yeah. then, and people are sitting in their pews. And then we set up communion in the center of the space. Mm-hmm. And we had everybody stand up and focus on the center. And myself mm-hmm. and uh, the senior pastor, Britt, we were on either sides of each other. So mm-hmm. I could see half the congregation with the pictures hanging up behind them. Mm-hmm. And he could see half the congregation with pictures wow. behind them. And, yeah. and then people who are watching online, it was almost like it was a panned of the mm-hmm. of the room. So mm-hmm. my my gift, I think, is is the physicality of preaching. That's just mm-hmm. I've I've always been a physical preacher. And I remember the first sermon I ever mm-hmm. preached was in Nightdale, North Carolina. And uh, it was Associate Pastor Sunday, which is the Sunday after Christmas. Yes. Um, and and I had a manuscript. I was holding on to the pulpit and I was holding on for dear life because all I wanted to do was move about. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember I gave it to somebody to critique me and they said, Will, it looks like you're, it looks like you're a caged lion behind the pulpit. <laughs> And that yeah. was, that was, I've only preached behind the pulpit twice. That was the first mm-hmm. time. And I preached one more time after general conference, um, but that was a particular mm-hmm. time and space. And right. I, there was a reason, but my, yeah. my physicality and that that's my, mm-hmm. my gift, I think. Yeah. I've, I also struggle for, I'm a very expressive talker. Um, so I move my hands and I've had to c- learn how to control it a little bit more that it's not just like frantic, um, moving around. But someone said to me recently, it's funny that you said that. I just think you're like moving as you talk, like your whole body. She's like, I just wanted to yell, just go, just walk, <laughs> yeah. just move, you know? Um, so that's a growing edge, like to just let myself kind of, um, and it's harder. It's a little bit easier in our contemporary space, but I feel bound to the pulpit a little bit in the traditional. And so trying to learn how to, um, yeah, like get out. Yeah. <laughs> Move around. So 
Yeah. Do you do you preach a manuscript? Do you preach bullets? Do you have it memorized? Do you have slides? Do you um, what does that look like? I am a, a I am a manuscript preacher. Um I actually I find I like to write. I think if in another life I would have been a writer. Um and so writing like the word choice for me is super important. The imagery, again, that's a leftover like from Duke. Um, like the like show don't tell. So we're like going to be very descriptive and uh, paint a picture. And um, so some of that I have to learn how I've had to learn how to connect that with more practical and more grounded um, things, kind of like balance it a little bit. But um, I do sometimes I'll write, tell this story, but that's the most on a Sunday that I have ever like let myself go. And I don't follow the, the manuscript exactly. And most, I internalize it pretty well, mostly, but, um, so I can pivot if I need to, like, I just dropped an illustration this week cause I got there both times and I thought this doesn't work and I just left it. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, but manuscript, if I'm teaching or if I'm giving a devotional or if I'm, um, in a more casual space than I'll write just an outline, but I take like part of me taking the moment seriously on Sunday is spending a lot of time with that word choice and the flow. Um, and I know other people do it very differently. Do you do manuscript or do you do bullet points? Uh, it depends on the sermon. Um, yeah. If the sermon calls for the manuscript, I'll write a full manuscript, but that's rare. Um, mm-hmm. I have ideas or stories um, or thoughts that are just sitting in an Evernote file. Yeah. Um, and and eventually like I'll go through that once a month just to think, oh, this is mm-hmm. interesting. Or or I'll see something outside and I'll take a mm-hmm. picture of it. Yeah. And uh I stole this idea from Rob Bell, but uh I take a picture of all the interesting things I see and I put it in a separate photo album. Um and mm-hmm. my photo mm-hmm. album right now is the first picture that I have. Um it's called uh, eggplant skin removal. And oh my, my wife cooked my my wife cooked eggplant for me three and a half years ago, four years ago. <laughs> and I thought it was interesting that how hard it is to remove the skin of an eggplant yeah. um, from the eggplant itself. So I mm-hmm. took a picture of it. <laughs> I've never <laughs> preached on it. It's just been sitting in this photo album with another 140 right. pictures. And, yeah. uh, and that'll eventually come up. Um, but yeah. as I scroll through my Evernote files of ideas and thoughts, and mm-hmm. as I scroll through my photos, I've got a photo of organic SpaghettiOs. And oh my gosh! I, I just thought it was interesting that the, those yeah. two things don't go together. And right. I, what does that mean? I have mm. no idea. Um, <laughs> but eventually, they start coming together um, by mm-hmm. spirit. And as I'm working with yeah. them and sitting with them and letting them kind of marinate, and yeah. then that comes out for me of okay, that idea goes with that idea and that picture and this scripture passage comes mm-hmm. up in that particular Greek word or Hebrew word, and then it just kind of is. It, it's weird. Yeah. It melds together. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes sense. So that's, I have heard of keeping things like that. I'm not as good about that. And I've tried like once I detox from seminary to read a lot and read more outside, not just Christian stuff, but like literature and different things. But, um, I like the idea of just also taking photos and seeing things and all that. So, yeah. And sometimes I don't, they might not ever, there's been photos that I've deleted because I haven't used yeah. them for you know mm-hmm. a year. And I'm like, uh, this was interesting, but it didn't make sense. Right. Um, or right. I'll, I'll just talk to my wife and say, Hey, I've got this picture. What do you think of this and this idea? And she says, no, that does not make any sense whatsoever. <laughs> uh, and I, okay. Yeah. Okay. 
Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So awesome. So one, one more question. Um, and then we can kind of wrap up. Um, okay. What, um, what does your process look like as you've written your manuscript Wednesday or Thursday? Um, mm -hmm. And as you talked about, you kind of veer away from your manuscript if you need to on Sunday. How, mm -hmm. how do you prepare kind of the, the rehearsal piece of it? So it depends on the Sunday and the sermon. Most of the time it just involves, like I if I am in a good place and I have a lot of time, which isn't always, I try to write by Thursday or get a good, um, like full outline by Thursday. Um, so the ideas are internalized most of the time, especially in nominations and charge conference season, I've been finishing on Friday. Mm -hmm. Um, the bet, and I really make myself finish it on Friday. I do not like writing on Saturday because then you don't internalize it. So, um, I write it, I walk away, I come back, I read it, I read it for flow. I'll print it out. And sometimes having it printed in front of me helps me see like storyboard it better than in my mind than if I'm just reading it on a computer screen. Um, but then I leave it for a day. So like it goes in the tomb, <laughs> uh, yeah. for the whole, for all of Saturday. That's like my Sabbath. I try to make that my Sabbath. And, um, then Sunday morning I get to the church early and I do that process again. I read through it a bunch of times. I print it out. I look at it. I look that, at what I've decided for my slides. Is that out loud? Is that something that you just read? Yeah. Um, Sometimes I will, if I'm not feeling confident about the flow, I will read it out loud. Okay. Um, but most of the time I don't. So okay. that performative aspect and then we have, we used to have three traditional services right now. We only have two. And so, especially if I'm in the traditional side and I preach both of those in between the service, I do that same thing. So I'm either reading it out loud or I'm going through and I'm, I can, if I really don't feel confident, I can move things around. Um, but usually the performative aspect of it comes if I feel like I've internalized it enough mm -hmm. and per, like the performative is like the more Holy spirit stuff on Sunday morning. So I don't practice hand movements as much. And I don't practice, um, I will write in my notes like slow or pause or I'll space things out on a page so that it like is more poetically read than if it, um, than if it's just like all one block of text. But, um, so that's kind of how I engage that like reading style. So it is very manuscript yeah, driven. Yeah, yeah. And you have the gift. I mean, if you pull these together, you have the gift of knowing your own feelings and knowing the feelings of those who are there of saying, mm -hmm. yeah, this, this illustration is really going somewhere. Or mm -hmm. when you do it, this illustration, we're not doing that next service. Yeah, no, there was a couple weeks ago. It had been a hard week of ministry. And so I really didn't even, I like to start early in the week, but I really hadn't even started until Friday, which is like bad news bears. And, um, and I got to Sunday and I did my whole thing where I leave it and still on Sunday. So that in between those two services, I was like, Nope, this is moving. So it really was like the cutting floor. Um, and so I trust, I was like, I loved Chuck Campbell. That's who I heard, learned preaching from at Duke. And I trust like two things that he said, like 
a, he always used to say, you know, you don't have to hit a home run every time because part of the preaching act is the relationship you're developing with your people. And so that work, that work happens, whether or not you're like, it's like your fieriest work. Mm -hmm. Um, but B, I trust the work of the Holy spirit in like, I'm like, if this isn't working, like, just let them not hear it. (laughs) This thing, like, you know, um, so, and then challenge myself in terms of preparation the next time that I'm not like hitting a single weeks and weeks and weeks in a row, you know? Yeah. 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 Well, Allie, thank you. Um, yeah. (laughs) Is there, are there any final things you want to share to, to preachers? Final thought, comment? Um, another Chuckism preaching is like jazz. Um, and so the most freeing thing, the best thing that the people who mentor me in my life have given me is exactly what we talked about, that your preaching has to be from you. And so I, you and I are never going to preach the same sermon. We're never going to do the same thing. And that is holy and awesome. Um, and God wants to use all of the little bits of us that we think aren't, you know, worthy of getting up and performing the preaching act. Right. So, um, like, don't put so much pressure on yourself to be something that like you may not end up being, you know? And so that's my word of grace to all of the preachers. So, yeah, that's a good reminder of you be you. That's who God made you to be and your preaching Mm -hmm. style, your, whether it's manuscript, whether it's bullets, whether it's slides, whether it's telling a story, um, whether it's outlined to the details, um, it's all you. As if it's mm-hmm. authentically you, um, that's the gift that you're giving. Right. And that, like, sorry, not to another preaching professor yeah. said when I freaked out about this as I was getting my appointment my last year of seminary, like your people, if you are pastoring, you are preaching. And when you pass, like your people love you. And so they want to hear from you and, you know, that, so pre the preaching act starts at the hospital bed, right? Like it starts in small groups. It starts in all of these things, right? Where you are connecting and building the bridge so they can hear what you're saying on a Sunday. Um, And that, that has like, it has a lot to do with performance, but gosh, for me, it has so much to do with how I show up in like every other aspect of the job. Um, so that I, I have like the integrity to tell them how to live their lives on Sundays, you know? Um, oh, that's really interesting of the way in which you connect with your people, the people who are listening to you on Sundays, Monday to Saturday matters that it's yes. not, it's not, it's not just the act of preaching is one piece of it, but right. it's, it's how they perceive you is, Hey, Allie came and saw me at the hospital on Tuesday. Um, mm-hmm. She married my grandchildren. Um, right. She baptized this baby. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. That's a really, I, I've never thought of that. Yeah. That is for also, I don't feel like I'm a highly performative preacher. That's the feeling aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so if I didn't have that relationship with the people, it wouldn't go like the train wouldn't move for me, I think. So, yeah. Yeah. So preaching, preaching, <laughs> preaching beyond Sunday. Yes. That's yes, all. exactly. And, um, cause that's how people hear you, yeah. you know, that's the, if you don't love them, they, they're not going to hear the hard thing you have to say or the stuff about their money or, you know, um, 
And that like takes a lot of integrity Monday through Saturday to show up as their pastor. So that's, that's, oh, that's beautiful. (laughs) Thank you. That's good. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, I got one more quick question for you. Um, Yes. For everybody. What has been one book you've read in the last year that has shaped you as a preacher, as a person, as a leader? Um, What's been that one book that you would recommend to somebody? Oh, gosh. Hmm. I'm going to turn around and look at my bookshelf. Hmm. Actually, I'm going to say too. So personally, this again goes to the integrity piece. Um, Burnout, um, How to Stop the Stress Cycle is personally the best book I've read about like learning how to bring yourself, be more grounded. Um, So that's helped with some of the identity stuff. But then for preaching, um, and this was a recommendation by our mutual friend, Robert Bledsoe, Generational IQ, um, and then Sticking Points by Hayden Shaw. Um, I've learned so much about how the year that you're born can influence the way that you learn. Um, and so where some of those trends in worship and in preaching come from. And like, I think about it in those terms a lot now, you know, how am I going to connect with the authenticity desire from millennials and also connect with that like didactic expert that like a silent generation person wants. Um, and if I'm like doing one or the other, how can I circle back and connect with that other side again? Um, so yeah, those are the two. Yeah. So, so burnout, generational IQ and sticking points. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the, um, books that have been really helpful. Awesome. Cool. Well, Allie, thank you for spending time uh, talking yes. about your preaching and your gift and, and your particular experience as preaching mm-hmm. as an associate pastor, because it's it's a different experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, just thank you for your wisdom and, and your knowledge and, and just your empathy, the way you could yeah. feel. So yeah. Thank you so much for having this conversation. This was so fun. And um, I wish you all the best in your preaching lab work. So <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Allie. All right. Thanks.